What's going on, everybody, and welcome to episode five of the Powder Blue Review. I am your host, Michael Peterson. You can find all my work over at boltsfromtheblue.com. That is SB Nation's Los Angeles Chargers website. You can find me on Twitter at Zone Tracks. That is Z-O-N-E-T-R-A-C-K-S. And go ahead and follow the podcast Twitter handle at PB Review Podcast. That's capital P-B-R Review Podcast. And while you're at it, go ahead onto Apple Podcasts and Spotify or wherever you listen to this podcast and subscribe and leave a five-star review. On today's show, I'm joined by my good friend, Gavino Borquez, managing editor of USA Today's ChargersWire.com. We went back and forth and discussed our predictions for the Chargers 53-man roster. It was such a fun chat, and I hope you guys enjoy. Joining me now is Gavino Borquez. Super stoked to have him on. Vino, how are you doing today? Good, Mike. I'm very happy to be on. should be an exciting show, and I just look forward to talking Chargers ball. That's what we all like to do, and I know a lot of people can't get enough of that. So first things first, guys, uh, like I said in the intro, we are going to talk about an early preview of the 53-man roster for the Chargers. So we're basically going to go back and forth, starting with quarterbacks, ending all the way down uh, to special teams. And we're just going to give our takes on who we think they're going to keep uh, at each position, give a little bit of reasoning why, and and just kind of volley back and forth until we've covered the whole team. So um, without further ado, we're going to get into quarterbacks. And now this used to be a position that was pretty straightforward. You knew year in and year out it was going to be Rivers and Kellen Clemens for the most part. But after last year, them keeping um, Cardale Jones and, and signing Geno Smith and not re-signing Kellen Clemens, we can finally look at a quarterback room that's different. You know, it's not nearly as boring. So uh, this year, they've got Rivers. They recently re- uh, signed Tyrod Taylor during the free agency period, which gives quite a different contrast you know, type of quarterback than Rivers is. And then they drafted Easton Stick out of North Dakota State in the fifth round of this year's draft, who is a little bit more similar to Taylor than Rivers. So quite the contrast. Again, it's really exciting to see them do something different, let's say, with that position. you know. And, and obviously, Rivers has never missed a, a start or anything like that. But like if he ever did it'd be a totally different show, you know, with this offense. So um, my take first is just Rivers, obviously. Tyrod Taylor, obviously, they didn't spend that money for no reason. And then Stick I have on the border, but I inevitably think they do keep Stick because they want to use him potentially as a Taysom Hill utility type player, you know, get more athletic guys on the field, more guys who can possibly throw the ball as well um, to do some, you know, trick plays or just different stuff that defenses haven't seen. So Again, mine are Rivers, Taylor, and Stick. Now, Vino, who do you have for the quarterback position? So I am on the same page as you, which means that they will carry three quarterbacks. Uh, I'm not a fan of them carrying three out rather than carry two in Rivers and Tyrod Taylor. But with them using a a fifth-round pick on a quarterback, which they hadn't done in a few years, it just basically signifies that – they're going to obviously keep three quarterbacks and then one's going to be out of a job, which is Cardell Jones. And, you know, Cardell Jones came, joined the team a couple of years back and he hasn't really seen the, seen the field as much, but people have want him gone because he hasn't done much and he's nothing more than just a, a backup and he's not never going to really see a starting role. So that basically means that his job is done. And a lot of people are talking about, Easton Stick and Cardell Jones battling out for number three, but I think Stick has the advantage there, um, so they end up keeping those three. 
Now, do we finally think that this Cardale Jones experiment is over? Obviously, they did draft Stick, so you'd think, but Lynn just seems to really enjoy Cardale Jones. He recently, I believe, um, in one of his last comments before you know they took the vacation before training camp, is that they've got four good quarterbacks in the room, and you know that includes Cardale Jones. So, do you think that with them keeping Stick, they will keep Cardale Jones on the practice squad for at least one more year? <clears throat> That's interesting because I think back in 2017 they did the same thing. They waived him in September, but they kept him on the practice squad and they signed him to a futures contract in that uh, following January. So that's something to keep in the back of your mind, see if they do want to keep him um, stashed in the practice squad. But I just think that they get rid of him because just the philosophy that this team's going, you know, they're not afraid to to get rid of these players that have been on the team, you know, good locker room guys. And I think Cardell Jones would be one of those that is going to be gone. And uh, ESPN's Eric Williams put Cardell Jones as the Chargers surprise cut. And to see him as a surprise cut, I don't think you can really list him as that. But I just see him being cut in general. And I don't think he's going to remain with the team whatsoever, even on the practice squad. Yeah, I, I really agree. I think that's just another player that, kind of just needs to get cut ties and um, and just move on. I think we need to stop pouring resources into that player. So uh, going on to the next position is obviously probably the wealthiest position on the Chargers at the moment, and that's the running back position. And I have four on the team, and that includes uh, Derek Watt as a running back, whether we want to call him a fullback or not. But obviously I have Melvin Gordon, Austin Eckler backing him up, Justin Jackson as the third stringer, and then Derek Watt at fullback. And as much as I would like to keep uh, Nietzsche, ugh, excuse me, Dietrez Newsome with the active roster because I don't want him getting poached, I have him not making the team and hopefully being stashed on the practice squad. Vino, what do you got? So mine is a little bit different. I actually have them keeping um, five. And I was on the fence with this one, but I see Gordon Eckler, Justin Jackson, Newsome and Watt as well. The, one of the more intriguing positional battles will be between Newsom and then UDFA Jeremy Cox. The reason with Jeremy Cox is that he offers a little bit more than the rest of running backs do. Um, he's going to be listed as the biggest running back on the roster they have. He showed in college that he can do it all. He can run the ball well, he can catch the ball, and he can um, block two. So that will be one of the positional battles to watch. And if they were to go down this route, I honestly see them carrying forward just because Newsom was so well with training camp and the preseason. They had some limited action, too, in the regular season, I believe. But with the positional battle with Jeremy Cox, I think it'll be him and then Troy Main Pope for a spot on the practice squad. So that's what I think it's going to come down to. Realistically, I'd like them to keep four. I mean, I'm sorry, three running backs, but I think they ultimately keep four with the um, risk of Melvin Gordon getting hurt too. So there's kind of view that it's like, you know, let's keep him on the active roster just in case one of these guys goes down um, Melvin Gordon primarily. So that's what they ultimately do. So I'm going with those five, including Derek Watt at fullback. So I do like the inclusion of Dietrez Newsome, uh, that limited amount of reps he had in the regular season that did include the Kansas City Chiefs game where I believe he had a catch and a run that both went for first downs that, you know, at the end of the day played a big role, I believe, in that upset at Arrowhead. Um, so, yes, again, I would like to see him. So real quick, 
uh, on Jeremy Cox. I was on the website Our Lads just because I'm always curious about how they view people's uh, teams' uh, depth charts. And so I was curious what they thought was going to happen with the Chargers. And they actually have Jeremy Cox listed behind Derek Watt as a fullback. Now, just a quick hypothetical is there any shot that Jeremy Cox could potentially unseat Derek Watt as the quote fullback for this team? That's a good question. Um, just because when you see Jeremy Cox, you kind of think of a, a Mike Tolbert askew type player, just given six foot, 235 pounds, but you know, he's a physical straight ahead runner, but I mean, he could do it all and he could provide like that change of pace back. I just don't know if you categorize him as a fullback, but then again, just like, how they use Derek Watt, it's similar to that role because he wasn't just like a blocker. Like once he got the ball in his hands, he was a contributor in the passing game. Um, he kind of did it all for them. So he could be competing with Derek Watt, but I think ultimately they want to keep Watt on the team, just given the whole Watt Melvin Gordon ties back in college. So that'll be interesting to see where they, um, you know, put him to see like, okay, is he going to go with the running back group or is he ultimately going to compete with, Derek Watt in training camp and uh, preseason action. Yeah, I definitely agree. I think that's going to be more interesting than people are getting on right now, the running back position. So uh, going on to one of the other wealthy positions the Chargers had, and it was a bit more rich last season with Tyrell Williams in it, but this year's wide receiver group still has a lot of talent. And for me, I've got, let's see, six staying with the team. And those guys are Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, Travis Benjamin, Dylan Cantrell, Jeremy Davis, and Artavis Scott. So you've got the three guys who are obviously making the team. There, there's no way unless something crazy happens and they surprise cut Benjamin, that's going to be the top three. And one of the biggest storylines this offseason has been who's going to step up with Tyrell gone. Is Travis Benjamin going to actually be the wide receiver three, or is he going to stay relegated to that limited role he had last year? And a guy like Dylan Cantrell, who was the team's uh, sixth-round pick last year, who's also uber-athletic, Tons of ability in the air at the catch point. Big body guy at 6'4-ish, 225 pounds. But then you've got guys like Jeremy Davis, who's a slight veteran. He hasn't caught a pass since he was with the Giants, I believe, three or four, maybe four years ago. And then you got Artavis Scott, who was a very productive player at Clemson alongside Mike Williams. He actually has the all-time receptions record at Clemson um, over a lot of guys like Sammy Watkins, uh, DeAndre Hopkins, and obviously Mike Williams. But those are my six. Davis and Scott have been preseason um not like all americans but they've been uh, the most productive receivers out of the whole group in the preseason obviously they're getting the most reps but they've shown a lot of good things to the staff so um looking at those guys do you agree do you have the same or do you have maybe one of these udfas making the team so i have no udfas listed but i actually have them having five wide receivers on the active roster so the only one that i don't have them making is dylan cantrell but I have them putting him on the putting Kentrell on the practice squad. So with that, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, Travis Benjamin, Artavis Scott, and then Jeremy Davis. Because when looking at these UDFAs, you have a few that'd be in- intriguing: um, Fred Trevilian, uh, the San Diego State guy, and then Jason Moore. Um, a few guys that have definitely caught the eye of uh, different fans, and you know having the San Diego ties with Fred Trevillian, I'm sure he's going to be a fan favorite just given the area, the chargers and like the fan base. But ultimately I think you're just going to be watching out for that number four, number five spot, because with the coaching staff, they really COVID Travis Benjamin's speed to, you know, 
went over the top. And I just don't see anyone really pushing him out of that role. You can only hope that someone will. But I think that the top three are currently filled in with those. But it'll be a matter for four or five and then potentially six. And I think that running back position will factor in to see how many they keep on the active roster. But regardless, they're going to stash one, maybe two on the practice squad. In this case, Dylan Cantrell gets the practice squad spot. It's definitely going to be interesting. Cantrell was a training camp superstar last season. Um, Obviously came down with a leg injury that somehow kept him out throughout the entire season. Um, I don't know if he ever got 100% healthy, but I just know he never whipped the field during the regular season. Um, so again, interesting guys like Andre Patton. Uh, there's still a guy named Justice Liggins there. Plenty of guys who you never know if they could surprise, but I feel like this is a little more solidified position than um, some other ones we're going to talk about. Um, going forward, we have the tight end group. And this is an interesting group, obviously, because when you think about Chargers tight ends, you have Antonio Gates. And at the moment, Gates is not a part of the team, but this has kind of been the deal with Gates over the last couple of years. The, his contract's up. He goes and, and pretty much does his, his whole thing up until the regular season. And then the team's like, all right, you can come back. Or or Gates maybe tells the team, all right, I'm ready to come back. And so I just have a star next to Gates as he's just, you know, until he officially retires, I just kind of have him making the team. But other than Gates, obviously Hunter Henry, so excited for him to come back. And then Virgil Green, who did a heck of a job with Henry being um, injured last season. He only had one touchdown catch, but made some good catches throughout the season. And he had such a... Uh, a versatile skill set uh, as a run blocker. And then Sean Culkin, who I a lot of people think is going to make a step forward. I think Eric Williams had him as the training camp guy to watch out for or something along those lines. But he had one career catch uh, this past season against the Arizona Cardinals. And it was a heck of a catch. Don't get me wrong, but he hasn't done much of anything. And he's also kind of one of those main run blockers at tight end. But um, it's interesting. So we'll see how that goes. I have three with a star next to Antonio Gates, but uh, Vino, who do you got at tight end? So I'm on the same boat as you, Mike. I have Henry Green and Colkin making the roster with Gates potentially coming back. And it's going to be one of those things, you know, when we get into training camp, if the team sees that no one's really stepping up in that pass catching role that, you know, two, three, four weeks into training camp, we're there on the phone with Gates representatives having or calling to have him back. Just because when you look at the other guys, Gates basically outplayed Green, first of all. Um, you know, Green was expected to be the number one tight end, but Gates outplayed him statistically, and it just wasn't a good look. And, you know, Green, he isn't an ideal number two tight end to begin with. He's more of a number three. And then when you have... Sean Culkin, he's not going to offer anything other than just being a reliable blocker. So he has, you know, statistics and just like limited opportunities. He's not going to be one catching the ball. And a lot will just go off of like a few highlights here and there. It's like, look at Sean Culkin catching the ball. He can offer more than just a a blocker. But when you're just watching the tape, um, you know, he could be one of the better blockers on the team. But he's not going to offer much more than that. And then you have like the UDFAs. A lot of people are excited for Matt Sokol, Daniel Helm. So a little bit more well-known guys coming out of college. But again, I didn't think Daniel Helm was that great. And then with Sokol, he was, he's nothing more than a blocker. And then you have Vince Mayo and then a- Andrew Vollert too. But I think their chances are slim 
of making the 53-man roster as well. So you're looking at Hunter Henry, Virgil Green, Sean Culkin, and potentially Gates, and I would not be surprised if he's back in 2019 with the Chargers. Yeah, it's just going to be you know a marathon with Gates until it's over. So we'll just have to wait and see and let, and let time decide that for us. All right, guys, finishing up with the offensive side of the ball is the offensive lineman. And this is where they keep quite a few guys because they love having, uh, you know, enough depth. They went through enough injuries over the last couple of years at this position. So I've got nine uh, staying with the 53 man roster. And that's Russell Okung, Dan Feeney, Mike Pouncey, Michael Schofield, Sam Tevy, Forrest Lamp, Trent Scott, this year's third round pick, Trey Pipkins, and last year's fifth round selection, Scott Questenberry. They've got more depth at tackle than anything else, and a couple guys who can play in those middle interior positions. Um, I'm not sure where they view Questenberry at this point. He was a center at UCLA, but after he was drafted, they said he can he can definitely play some guard, and I think he can play you know a, a number of positions, which is, they only keep really guys on the 53-man roster that can play multiple positions. So I'm really pretty confident in this group. The only other guy that I could see making it is Cole Toner, who was more active than Lamp. During last season, he was on the active roster more so than Lamp, which was just super frustrating being a huge Lamp fan that I am. So, uh, again, pretty confident in these nine. Uh, do you have the same? Do you have something different? No, Mike, I have the same nine offensive linemen. Now, one of the bigger things to watch for in training camp and literally like leading up into training camp is to hear what's going on with Russell Okung. Obviously, we found out that he didn't participate in any of the mandatory minicamp due to an undisclosed injury. Um, one of the reporters asked Lynn, is it going to be long-term? He responded with, we don't know yet. Obviously, just hearing that, it's kind of worrisome. Mind you, there's some downtime between now and training camp, so he could recover. But the fact that we don't know what this injury is, you know, there is going to be some concerns. He did miss a game last season. I believe it was a groin injury that kept him out. But, you know, he could have gotten injured during OTA's off-season training. But with that, if he's missing an extended period of time, you're wondering what are they going to do with left tackle. And I recently wrote about it, and I said that I believe that they're going to shift Sam Tevy out. So they're going to kind of look at the in-house options first. Shift Tevy out to left tackle, fill in with Trent Scott into right tackle, and they're going to leave Trey Pipkins out of the equation just because I really think that they don't want to throw him out in the fire yet. No matter how good he is in training camp and preseason, they don't want to play him uh, yet. They, we could see him on the field later on, but to start off, they don't want him as a starter and that kind of brings us to Forrest Lamp the highly anticipated player um, second rounder we haven't really seen him on the field so it's a mystery of where he's going to play obviously Lynn said that he has the versatility to play guard and tackle but I believe that they want him to compete for the right guard position and I mean ideally I would rather have Forest Lamp and Schofield battle out for left tackle and keep Tevy at right tackle. You know, I, I could be a little bit crazy, but if that's how they wanted to go about it with the in-house options, that's what I would do. But, I mean, you're looking at a group where it's a lot of unproven players, man. Um, Tevy, I don't trust him at left tackle. And then Trent Scott, who knows, but 
you're you're kind of limited on options and you're likely to dip into the free agency pool where you know Jeremy Parnell, Ryan Schrader, um, you're pretty limited there. So it's like what do they do if he is indeed missing an extended period of time? So something to watch out for. Yeah, there's too many storylines, honestly, for me at the offensive line position. I wish, you know, each year they get a little bit closer to finding, you know, the recipe, the secret sauce for their offensive line. But, you know, just one year at a time, and hopefully they get this thing figured out sooner than later. Going to the defensive side of the ball, we're looking at defensive tackles. And with the way this defense uses their players, it's weird to think um, they may not keep the same amount of defensive tackles as other teams, as most teams, the same amount of defensive ends as other teams and linebackers and so on and so forth, just because they do things differently. It's almost a positionless defense with how many players they have play out of position. So starting with the defensive interior, I have four guys for sure. And those are uh, Brandon Meebane, Justin Jones, Damien Square, and Jerry Tillery, this year's first round pick. I have uh, Cortez Broughton, the seventh round pick this year in parentheses, as the guy to be the 53rd excuse me, player on this team should Gates not sign back with the team. But I like those four for sure. Broughton, most definitely, I do like him. I think he's got some scheme versatility. He's got some athleticism as well. Really popped out as a senior for Cincinnati. I believe he had 18 tackles for loss. And that's definitely something that can be used on this defense. So that's my for sure four with a little star next to Broughton as my fifth potentially. Who do you have at defensive tackle? So at defensive tackle, I actually have six listed. I have Meebane, Tillery, Justin Jones, Square, T.Y. McGill, and Cortez Broughton. I just think that they view this as a very thin group. So keeping more players is likely to help them, if that makes sense. So McGill, he's on the fence for me as well. I have him slotted in there, but it wouldn't be surprising if he doesn't make the team. I really like Cortez Broughton. Um, I wrote about him too, and he does offer a lot. And especially as a pass rusher, I would love to see him out on the field. So I'd say five or six, but right now I have them at six with McGill being my sixth one. But again, it wouldn't be surprising to see if he is um, off the team before the season starts. Now it'll just come down to see where they put Justin Jones. I'm sure a lot of people have questions surrounding that. Do they view him as a nose tackle or a three technique? Um, I have him listed as a nose tackle right now, but you know there have been some that said Justin Jones is going to start over Jerry Tillery. To me, that's kind of funny being the biggest Jerry Tillery fan um, when he was in college. Jerry Tilly is so much better than Justin Jones. It's not even close. And even if he's nursing an injury, he's supposed to be back and healthy when training camp starts. So I think that Meebane and Tillery will be the week one starters. But again, we'll see a lot of those guys um, get some playing time as they like to rotate their guys in, in and out. We're going to take a short break from this conversation with Cavino to hear a quick message from our amazing sponsors. Guys are terrible at taking care of their health. Whether it's a knee injury, bad back, or something worse, guys are usually more comfortable rubbing some dirt on it than seeing a doctor. The same is true for erectile dysfunction. Studies show 70% of guys who experience ED don't get treated for it. Thankfully, Roman created an easy way to chat with a doctor online. With Roman, you can get medical care for ED, if appropriate, from the comfort and privacy of your own home. You can handle everything online in a convenient, discreet manner. 
Getting started is simple. Just go to GetRoman.com slash BlueWire and complete an online visit. If your doctor decides that treatment would be appropriate, they can prescribe genuine medication that can be delivered in discreet packaging right to your door with free two-day shipping. Guys, go talk to the doctor. Erectile dysfunction can be tough to tackle, but it's really important to get checked out. With Roman, it's easy to connect with a doctor. Just go to GetRoman.com slash BlueWire to get a free online visit and free two-day shipping. That's GetRoman.com slash BlueWire for a free visit to get started. GetRoman.com slash BlueWire. All right, guys, we've got an announcement to make. Blue Wire is teaming up with Harry's to make sure our listeners are shaving comfortably. Go to harrys.com slash bluewire to save $10 on a value trial set, which includes not one, not two, three, or four, but a five-blade razor with a lubricating strip and trimmer blade, a rich lathering shave gel, and a travel blade cover. You get all of that for just $3 shipped right to your door. Enough with the cheap razors. It's totally worth trying Harry's. Harry's has fixed shaving by combining a simple, clean design with quality and durable blades at a fair price. Harry's founders were tired of paying for razors that were overpriced and overdesigned. Harry's bought a world-class blade factory in Germany that's been making quality blades for over 95 years. Join the 10 million who have tried Harry's. Claim your trial offer by going to harrys.com slash bluewire. All of Harry's blades come with a 100% quality guarantee. If you don't love your shave, let them know and they'll give you a full refund. Again, make sure to go to harrys.com slash bluewire to redeem your razor for $3. Yeah, they definitely need an upgrade at the defense interior, especially when it comes to stopping the run. But um, other guys can do that as well. Some of the defensive ends could always get better um, at the same time. So moving on to defensive ends, our edge rushers, I have four right now. And this can change whether or not, uh, I know we talked about how uh, Uchenna Nwosu can be viewed as a defensive end if they decide to use him in pass rushing situations more often than off-ball linebacker. But for this, I have Uchenna with the off-ball linebackers, and I just have four right now at defensive end, and those guys are Joey Bosa, Melvin Ingram, Isaac Rochelle, and Anthony Lanier. Uh, I think you told me beforehand you weren't keeping Lanier, and some people may not really understand him as a player. He's just he's still fairly new to the Chargers, but he's 6'6", 295 pounds, and to me, he fits the mold of the bigger base end that Joey Bosa is. I think Rochelle you know, lost some weight, obviously, when he transformed his body. I don't think he's as big as it used to be. I just like the prospects of Lanier. I like his size. He had five sacks against or with, excuse me, the Washington Redskins a couple of years ago. And I just think he can bring something to this defense a little more size the way Jerry Tillery is on the interior. So those are my four. And I know you said something about maybe you're having Nuosu at the defensive end position. So talk to us a little bit about that. So I have Nuosu listed as the Sam. So I have three players. I have Bosa, Rochelle, and Ingram. But the reason why I have um, Lanier and a fourth defensive end off of the 53-man roster is because that I believe instead of playing Iwosu out in space where he doesn't or he isn't as proven, especially in college, uh, of course he deflected a lot of passes, but I wouldn't trust him you know, in zone coverage, just dropping back. So I see him being used more as a pass rusher in this defense. So technically you can slot him in as the fourth additional defensive end, but I'm still keeping him as the, the Sam linebacker. But it'll be interesting to see how they deploy that and where they actually use him, just given with him and Kyle Emanuel um, splitting playing time. You know, the both players didn't see that much on the field. And that was kind of promising considering Wosu was one of the better pass rushers 
out of the entire team aside from Bosa and Ingram. But um, yeah, so that's why I don't have a fourth defensive end because I'm kind of just factoring in, in Wosu in there. All right, so moving on to our off-ball linebackers. This is a position that a lot of people thought was pretty weak coming from last season to this season. But now with the additions they made in the draft and and the offseason, this is honestly, I think, one of the strongest positions on the team at the moment. And so for me, I have six guys, and they are Denzel Perryman, Thomas Davis, Kaiser White, Jatavis Brown, Uchenna Nwosu for me, and Drew Tranquil. I, I, there's something... If crazy happens, Eggboulet makes the team as well. I think they're going to try and stash him on the practice squad uh, for death purposes in case Perryman's hurt again, Jatavis is hurt again. But they like Eggboulet's skill set. I think he's similar to Nuosu with what he can do um, versatility-wise. But I think six is solid for the linebackers, mostly because Adrian Phillips may come down and play a lot of dime linebackers, so they don't need that many linebackers when they could use it for a position that does have a little bit of a need. Um, so I looked a lot of guys off. Zubnar, who's a special teams guy, uh, been popular there over the last couple of years. Um, Zeese, the guy from Pitt, Corcoran from Northern Illinois, Trevon Johnson, and Kyle Wilson, I have them not making the team. Is this similar to yours? Yes. So this is one of the deeper um, positional groups. You know, general manager Tom Telesco made the point at the beginning of the offseason that he was going to put a big focus. Obviously, it started out with the re-signing of Denzel Perryman, the signing of Thomas Davis, and then the draft selections of Drew Tranquil and then Igboule. So when you look at these UDFAs that are on the team, and then Zubnar and then Kyle Wilson, I just don't see them making the team. But instead, I have them carrying seven linebackers, and it'll just be a matter of what they end up doing and how they deploy these linebackers, just considering the fact that they play a lot of sub packages. So guys that, you know, are automatic starters, Denzel Perryman, Thomas Davis. But when you're looking at Adrian Phillips year as a dime linebacker last year, it was very enticing. And I know that they're going to want to get him out on the field too. So, you know, those are the guys that I just see being instant starters but, you know, seeing Brown, White, Tranquil, like how many snaps that they're going to be receiving is something to, to watch for. And definitely one that I'll be watching for throughout training camp and preseason, how they actually enforce these guys out on the field and where they use them. It's going to be exciting. I think there's a lot of athletic talent, a lot of athletic upside at the linebacker position and some real good guys that are that are really fun to root for. So, you know, once week one comes out or even the preseason, you know, just to see how things unfold is going to be really exciting to see at that position. Uh, going on to the defensive secondary, obviously one of the strongest positions for the Los Angeles Chargers, having so many pro bowlers among that secondary, the Jack boys, as they like to call themselves. We're going to talk about cornerbacks first. And what's weird about the cornerbacks is they've got Casey Hayward, They've got Desmond King, who was a fifth round pick. And then you've just got a bunch of undrafted free agents, which is crazy. But the Chargers have done such a good job of turning undrafted corners into actual impact players. A couple of years ago, Trevor Williams was a top 10 cornerback by Pro Football Focus. Hayward has been one of the top corners in the entire uh, league over the last couple of years. And then Desmond King came out of nowhere to be PFF's second highest rated corner um, this past season. And he made the uh he was an all pro 
at the return position, although he could have been an all pro at if they had a slot corner position. Um, he really could have argued for one of those two corner positions. A lot of people thought he should have made the Pro Bowl there as well, whether it was as a corner or a return guy, um, but he's good. And so for this position, I have five. I have Casey Hayward. I have Desmond King, Trevor Williams, Michael Davis, and then Brandon Faison, who uh, was a former undrafted free agent from last year as well, that they really do seem to like. Fits that lengthy, taller, 6'2 plus mold of cornerbacks that Gus Bradley prefers in his defense. Um, is this similar to yours? Do you have anybody different? One of these other guys surprising at all to make the team? Nope. So I have five corners too. So Casey Hayward, Trevor Williams, Desmond King, Fajan, and Michael Davis. And when you look at the rest of the guys on the roster, I mean, you have Jeff Richards, Arian Springs, and then you have um, Kevin Hall and then Rodney Randall Jr. But I don't see any of those guys making the roster. I, I think that they keep it to five. And this is actually a positional group that I thought that I thought they were going to upgrade in free agency or the draft. I was actually one of the guys that I thought they were going to consider a cornerback early on, just considering who they brought in um, for visits, who they, they met with the combine and everything. But it seems like they're going to let Trevor Williams um, get after it again, uh, prove that he's healthy and then get back to that, Number three, because I mean, I consider Desmond King the number two cornerback position, but then Michael Davis, he was a bit underwhelming in that starting role. And then Fajian, he impressed last training camp and preseason. So I think they ultimately keep five, but it'll be interesting to, to watch this group, especially if Trevor Williams is able to bounce back how he performed back in 2017. Um, if not there, that could be a position where they look to upgrade, um, next off season. So obviously that group is super strong, but then the safety position has gotten very strong as well for the chargers. And this group has some guys. So first and foremost, the best player ever, Derwin James, as a lot of people would probably call him. He makes the team. You have the second round pick from this past season in Nasir Adderley, the safety from Delaware. Uh, Rayshon Jenkins, Jalen Watkins, who tore his ACL last year in the preseason, and Adrian Phillips, who some would probably consider more of a linebacker, really, than a safety. Those are my five I have uh, at the safety position. James and uh, Jenkins being more of the uh, strong safety. Adderley, Watkins, possibly being more of the free safety. Um, that's a position to look at whether or not they keep you know, five or four. I guess it depends on what they're really doing with Adrian Phillips, but... What do you have here, and do you think Phillips is going to play more of that linebacker position again this year um, as compared to being a true safety? Yep, I still think he's better, um, closer to the line of scrimmage, kind of like playing that dime linebacker role. Again, they can deploy him like as James's backup, but I believe that they want him on the field as much as possible. Now, when you're looking at the free safety group, this um, year Adderley, and you know I have Jenkins listed behind uh, Adderley, but I believe Jenkins is more suited as a strong safety. And then you have Jalen Watkins right there, which I have making the roster. So James Adderley being the two starters, but then again, this is one of the more intriguing groups because you do have these guys, which you know they're known for signing UDFAs. Um, Roderick Teamer, who was a stand-up standout during minicamp and OTAs, Adarius Pickett, 
um, UCLA guy. And those are they're, those are guys that could push Jalen Watkins for that uh, fifth safety spot um, because Jalen Watkins, obviously, he was re-signed. You know, he was having a really good showing last year in camp and whatnot, but you know, unfortunately, he he got injured. So it'll just be a matter to see if those two guys, Pickett and Teamer, are able to to push Watkins out for that number five job um but i think other than that with phillips they're gonna want him on the, out on the field as much as possible that's why the linebackers kind of factor into into that who's going to get the majority of the playing time there um and with phillips obviously they signed him for a really really good deal but i think there's a prove it prove it type of deal if that makes sense because you know he, this was he was finally good he broke out but it's like, can you repeat that same amount of production? If he does, you're looking at a guy that they're going to re-sign for a pretty hefty deal uh, next offseason. So, but yeah, I think they, they want Phillips on the field as much as possible just because he was one of the better players on the roster in 2018. No, you definitely got that right. He just seemed to always be in the same or the, or the right place at the right time, which, you know, obviously we hope is something that he can continue to do. Uh, real quick, we're going to wrap this thing up with special teams. The Chargers did bring in uh, a UDFA punter and Tyler Newsom from Notre Dame. They also got this guy named Ty Long, who used to be with the CFL and was successful there. Uh, right now, I have the Money Badger, obviously at kicker. I, I don't know what I'd do if we lost the Money Badger at the kicker position. I do have Michael Wint making uh, or staying the incumbent at long snapper. I don't think Cole Mazza. I don't think he's going to do anything special to make them pick him over Wint. And then I actually have Ty Long uh, making the team. I think he just has the success, um, the longevity at uh, basically kicking the ball really well and consistently. Um, he did it for some time in the CFL, and I don't see there being anything different when he comes to the NFL. So um, that's my final three, Michael Badgley, Michael Wint, and Ty Long at punter. What about you? So mine is a little bit different. Obviously, we have Michael Badgley as the kicker. No question about that. I have Mike Wint at long snapper, and I have Tyler Newsom as a punter. And the reasoning for this is because, obviously, the Notre Dame ties. Um, they brought in Tranquil. They brought in Tillery, and I think they continue that. And because Newsom is one of the more, like, flashy guys. And when you compare him to Badgley, Badgley's kind of a flashy guy. You know, the girls love him. Um, you know, he's their, their man crush Mondays, whatever you want to call it. And I just think with Newsom, he's got the stash going on. He's got the hair going for him. And mind you, I have not watched any of these guys punt. Uh, I'm, I don't evaluate punters or kickers, but I just think that that's what they go with. And it's kind of like with the the young, um, young Kuei Ku situation where, you know, he was a YouTube sensation. And that's what why they ultimately – um, brought him in uh, to the 53-man roster. I think it's just one of those situations with Newsom as well, just given that the hair and the mustache, he's one of the more flashy L.A. type of guys. So that's who I have at special teams are those three guys. So I like that a lot of your reasoning were superficial reasons with Tyler Newsom, just looks and celebrity and fame yeah. Um, to some degree. So that's fantastic. I think those are real enough reasons um, to pick a guy, especially one that's, you know, plays one of those special teams positions. So you got to make it interesting somehow. So, all right, guys, that does it for the 53 man early roster predictions. 
Uh, I had a blast. Um, Gavino, thanks a ton for coming on. I really do appreciate it. And I'm sure we're going to talk a lot more before the regular season kicks off. Absolutely, man. I look forward to it. And I look forward to the 2019 season. So real quick before we go, why don't you plug any social media that you would like to? So yeah, you can find me on Twitter. That's will be posting the majority of my work and my articles. Um, and that is at my name, Gavino Borquez. So spelled G-A-V-I-N-O, uh, Borquez, B-O-R-Q-U-E-Z. That's pretty much it. That's where you can find me. And uh, I'll continue posting content for the rest of the training camp and uh, leading up into the regular season. All right. Right on, guys. Again, thanks a ton, Vino, and we'll talk to you here soon. Thanks again to Gavino Borquez for stopping by today's show. And thank you to the fans listening in on another episode of the Powder Blue Review. I've been Michael Peterson. We'll see you next week.